0: KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world.
1: From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate Architectural, this is Tom Dioro.
0: Thank you, Shea. For our guest today, please welcome Edgar Lopez, architect and city architect and deputy director for the city of San Francisco. Trained as an architect at UC Berkeley, Edgar joined DPW 27 years ago. He also helps make San Francisco one of the most beautiful, livable, vibrant, and sustainable cities in the world. You can find them on the web. It's sfpublicworks.org. That's sfpublicworks.org.
2: Hello, Edgar. We're excited and honored for you to be on The Modern Architect today. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here and to be your guest at KZSU. Thank you. Uh, Edgar, share with us a bit about how exciting
0: and challenging it can be to help make and keep San Francisco architecturally one of the most beautiful and sustainable cities in the world. How do you do that? I know it's not an easy answer, but our audience is excited to hear about it.
2: So thank you. San Francisco is a unique city in, 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 in the United States. We share unique topography. We're a very small city, Mm -hmm. seven seven square miles, and we are land-bound. We don't have a lot of space to grow. So the challenge of keeping San Francisco a vibrant city is, um, is a real one in that we have to make sure that all of the projects that we build and all of the things that we do are delicately planned and they're executed uh, well so that they can add value to the fabric of San Francisco wow how do you I mean what are some of the interesting challenges say in 2017
0: um, if you're at liberty to, to share it that that um, you know a project in
2: particular that you find challenging but you interesting at the same time so some of the challenges we're facing is to take into consideration climate, sea level rise. Okay. Uh, for uh, public buildings, we are at the moment designing a new firehouse, uh, fireboat house along the Embarcadero. This is a project that uh, we're taking a unique approach. We're designing a Firehouse on a floating barge that will adjust to sea level rise. Wow! Uh, so it's not the traditional type of project that is built over a pier, yeah. but it's one that is on a on a floating barge that will go up and down as uh, climate changes over the next fifty to hundred years. Wow! Is it one of the first? It's the first. Oh, the uh, first. The first okay. firehouse that we have uh, that we know that is taking this approach. Uh, floating barges are not unique the application that we're taking for an essential facility such a firehouse is the first one that we are aware of. Now, how did that become uh, possible even? Who thought of this? So (laughs) we we started to think about, uh, you know, firehouses play uh, an essential role in in any municipality across the country. Mm -hmm. And in San Francisco, where uh, the vast majority of our housing is made out of uh, uh, wood frame. Um, we are very keenly aware of the risks that are associated with our housing stock and having a fire department that is equipped with the best uh, facilities to respond to emergencies. Mm-hmm. So our design team, uh, these are architects that are in-house at Public Works, uh, took on the challenge of how do we do this? And they were thinking outside the envelope and saying... Literally, <laughs> yeah, we can't. We we can't take. We can't design this in a way that has been done before. We have to take a different approach. So we just started to embark on this. We're in the design phase of the project. Wow, where is it going to be located? It's uh. Uh, right along the Embarcadero, okay. ad- adjacent to the ferry building. So it's adjacent to the ferry building. Have you? Have you? Does uh, this gotten a lot of international attention? Not at the moment. Okay. Uh, At the moment, it's sort of in the quiet phase in the the sense that it's still in the the design phase, although our local architectural critic, uh, John King, has already written about it uh, as one of San Francisco's responses to uh, climate change. Right. Now, uh,
0: is there a person who was inspired in particular, or was it kind of a group that said, you know what, why don't we do this off-land?
2: It was not a single individual, but it was more of a team effort Collip- okay. of uh, our engineers and architects thinking of how do we address this challenge? And um, their their solution is one that is, again, uh, has a lot of opportunity for other municipalities and other folks to begin to use a, uh, a project development that addresses a significant risk. Wow. Wow. Uh, now, what are the, some of
0: the other challenges that we talked about in the green room about really what you have to think of as the city architect for uh, my my take on it was you have to think uh, collectively for an entire population of how many
2: people in San Francisco now? Approximately? It's uh, less than 900,000, I believe, so okay, about
0: 850,000. So nearly a net mil- one million people that you have to think collectively for, uh
2: how do you handle that? Because that's a, that seems pretty daunting. It's, it's a big responsibility. The yeah. way we approach uh, projects is to think that they are supposed to last for at least 100 years. We think multi-generational. Um, so when we approach a project, we think long-term. Not only is it solving the need of today, how is it also going to be Addressing future issues uh, related to transit, related to uh, population density, uh, how are these buildings going to age so that they're not just look great while they're new, but they're also going to age gracefully and be sustainable. What inspired you to become,
0: you know, a city architect? Was it something you aspired to do, or um,
2: so? Tell me a little bit about how that became. So, like many architects, okay. you don't, you start your career with a f- fascination about buildings. Um, I tell I tell my children and I tell my friends that I was born an architect. <laughs> I, I didn't choose to be an architect; I was born one. I like um, that. So, since yeah. I was very little, uh, I had a fascination for drawing for buildings, and it was just grew organically. And I'm lucky. It, that I've ended up getting a job for public works in San Francisco and moving up the ranks to becoming the city architect it's not something that I've sort of set a goal to be one okay. it's just a, a, the opportunities that were afforded to me
0: yeah so when you see a prospective project do you 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 think 100 years ahead to like how will this look how will this be how will this affect people 100 years from now is that kind of a, a standard position you may have
2: so yeah. our projects, we, um, we ask a lot of questions about whether we're renovating a Carnegie Library, whether we're building a new uh, clinic, whether we're building like new San Francisco Hospital like we just finished. Uh, we ask a lot of questions about what is, how does this project fit the community needs? How, how, is, how are we going to deliver this project in a way that is sensible That is contextual to the neighborhood, and that addresses a lot of needs that uh, we have as a city. Yeah, are there more considerations, or less uh, than in a private practice?
0: Uh, Out, my I would think there's actually more because you've got a lot more people to consider.
2: So yeah, I I I completely agree. Uh, Our projects uh, are have a public purpose, so there we or the buildings that we designed and that we built are meant to serve the taxpayers, are supposed to serve the the communities, the visitors, and there's a great level of responsibility to make sure that um, they're delivered to the highest quality at the best value for the taxpayers.
0: It's the highest quality at the best value for the taxpayer. Okay, and it, you you say a hundred years, but it sounds like you and I were talking earlier that it, you you may even think even further than even a hundred years.
2: Yeah, it, it, is
0: that personal for you or or is well, it requirement?
2: I, I would say that is for me personally, but also for um, you know if all these projects are deliver in in a team effort. We hire consultants or we have our in-house architects. And we take the responsibility of uh, these public buildings uh, that are, again, that are supposed to be long-lasting. I tell folks that we build the most important buildings. These are buildings that are going to last 100 years. They're not supposed to be trendy. They're not going to be torn down. Nobody's going to tear down City Hall. (laughs) Uh, And so we have to make... uh, very good choices in terms of um, how these buildings are built. Um, we built, again, from anywhere from, uh, like I said, a, a clinic to the California Academy of Sciences to Summer School General Hospital.
0: Yeah. How was that project to work on?
2: So that, that was yeah. one of the funnest projects that we've done. Um, the One of the approaches that we took on, on General Hospital is to uh, have a building that was base isolated. So we all know that San Francisco is in a seismic uh, zone. And so the approach of how is this building going to function after an earthquake, uh, our designers look at different options. And we settled on doing a base isolation project. Um, The project has now resulted in being a model for uh, other buildings around the world. Uh, we have wow, the pe- world. Around the yeah. world, we have uh, delegations that have come to visit all from Chile to Turkey uh, and other places in, in Europe who are looking at the technology of base isolation um, so that the, they face similar seismic challenges, and they're looking, well, how did San Francisco deliver a critical care facility, and what was the thinking behind?
0: Yeah. Now, how, how long did that project did it take or how, what was the duration from kind of beginning to?
2: So construction was yeah. uh, 48 months Okay. and the planning phase was an equal amount of time. Okay. Uh, we had to build a, a brand new hospital that was in the middle of an operating campus. So uh, oh. building the hospital while maintaining operational 24-7 was obviously a challenge.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so we it, it took a while to um, think strategically how we're going to place the the new, uh, the new building. In fact, when we started uh, the site work, uh, we had to dig a big hole to uh, put the new building in place. And there were a lot of questions about utilities that run underneath, yeah. not knowing what, is this, what, what does this serve? I mean, wires that needed to be cut and, and, and pipes and things. Um, you know, not a lot of very good records about if we cut this, are we going to put the other right. hospital out of service? So a lot of very uh, careful work that needed to take place.
0: A lot of considerations. Now, that's just the, the hospital because it, uh, as an individual architect, some people, that's all they would do. So you had other projects while you were still doing San Francisco General.
2: Correct. In fact— uh, How do you
0: manage this? This is just <laughs>
2: wild. No, it really is. It's um, like... You know, it's a, a, a smart planning. Okay. Um, part of uh, what we do is we try to hire good people and put people— that have the right background and roles of responsibility so that they can guide these projects properly. Okay. Uh, so it's a lot of consideration.
0: Yeah. So even the, the people that you choose are just as important, if not more important than the, the buildings themselves.
2: Correct. So okay. we, we take a great deal of pride in saying that we uh, hire the best talent to deliver the most important projects.
0: Yeah. Now back to the, the seismic, how do you also account for that factor? Um, in the city of San Francisco. That's with every project, correct? Correct. Yeah. So every project has to have that consideration into it. That being said, does that add to the project itself, or is it just part of the entire process?
2: So in, in San Francisco, we've learned to think of seismic considerations for all projects. Um, the building code uh, designates uh, essential facilities as those facilities that are supposed to provide service after a disaster. So those have a special considerations. They are designed to withstand higher seismic forces, and they have to remain operational and have something of immediate occupancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those projects, uh, again, they're designed with higher standards. But in general, we ha- designed the buildings to be um, uh, anticipating that we're going to have an earthquake. It's not if, it's just when. Okay.
0: You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM.
1: Teach for America is a national core of outstanding recent college graduates and professionals who commit to teaching for two years in urban and rural public schools in lower income areas nationwide. If you're a college senior interested in being part of the core, or if you'd like to help support the program, please visit teachforamerica.org. That's teachforamerica.org. Now back to The Modern Architect.
0: We're talking today with Edgar Lopez, City of San Francisco architect and deputy director for the city of San Francisco. You can find more information at SFDPW on their website at sfpublicworks.org. That is sfpublicworks.org. As we were talking, uh, Edgar, about the seismic uh, the challenges of the city of San Francisco and how it's built into every single project and does it take that much more time than any other project if you built it say Sacramento or a city that doesn't have that challenges
2: um, so it's built in to Cor- correct our natural approach to doing projects already takes that into consideration so we don't think that it's an adding an a, another layer of design or complexity it's already part of what we take into account when we design projects
0: yeah the history of San Francisco do you also consider that um, keeping the integrity of the, the original structures is that something that's important or do you say I oh, know we have a better design and we just go ahead with it or... no okay
2: quite the opposite so San Francisco has a rich history and the projects that we do, we very much take into consideration the site conditions, the character of the neighborhood, the history of what has take, what has existed in the neighborhood to make sure that we're not designing things that are out of character and that don't respect the historic fabric of the city. Uh, so that is very much something that is woven into the fabric of our designs to make sure that uh, we're... Uh, Sensitive to the to the neighborhoods.
0: Yeah, how do you also work with other uh, contractors or architects when they're from out of state and they may not have uh, built or worked uh, designed in San Francisco? Does, is there kind of an education process that they that you have to uh, um, bring yeah. them up to speed, so to speak?
2: That's a great question. Um, we do hire uh, from time to time architects that are from out of state or even out of the country, like when we hire Renzo Piano to design the California Academy of Sciences. Um, Part of the selection of our design consultants has to do with their sensitivity to design and understanding the the fabric of uh, San Francisco and making sure that they not only are they aware, but they have a plan to uh, come up with designs that are respectful and sensitive.
0: Yeah. Do they usually have it before you you, uh, engage in conversation with them? Or do you have to?
2: No. uh, Hardly anyone who's not from the Bay Area is going to be aware that San Francisco is based, um, is formed out of a lot of neighborhoods and that the neighborhoods have unique characters, that are very different from each other, from North Beach to the southeast quadrant of the city to the sunset to um, the financial district. Um, So part of our role is to make sure that these consultants uh, have an appreciation for the work that they're doing and the cultures that they are going to be impacting with their work.
0: Yeah. And are are most of them responsive positive. Yeah, yeah
2: Every architect wants to do a great job. Sure. We haven't uh, come across with anybody who displays any <laughs> level of arrogance who, in <laughs> disregard for what we're telling them, they all come very uh, much with uh, a, a level of sensitivity to what th- their work is and their proposals.
0: Yeah. Now, that's, that sensitivity that you're talking about, is, uh, is that, you think, inherent in architect's in general, or do you think it's them as, as business people as well?
2: Well, it's like any other profession. There's a range that you can expect from folks that are uh, extremely uh, aware of it, uh, acutely aware, to other folks that we have to remind them of that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, again, in general, we don't find that to be an issue. We find that uh, they are good listeners and they are willing to engage. Yeah. Uh, but if you think of it, the, the vast majority of the work that we do, we actually hire local architects to do the work. Uh, we, On purpose? Okay. Well, we, we just think yeah. that we have the talent uh, in, in our community. So true. And uh, there's an abundance of great architects who do work in San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Do they ha- do they also bring with them their breadth of knowledge and their experiences to projects that make it a little more seamless? in particular to San Francisco?
2: Yeah, they all come, you know, every individual has their own universe of the way they think, the way they practice architecture. Um, and, and we're blessed to have lots of great folks to choose from. Um, when we issue requests for proposals for projects, we have an abundance uh, of uh, interest. And uh, again, we often find it difficult to make decisions of who to give the work to because more than one firm can obviously do the work, and more than one firm is deserving of getting a public commission.
0: Yeah. Now, how do, do you even ever turn it off when you're off work? Just when you're going driving home, to, you know, so you see a city, the street, or what what can be done? Is there a way that you kind of can turn it off, or are you always on? Insofar as helping the
2: city. I don't know how others do it. I cannot turn it off. You can't? Uh, it's okay. uh, It's part of who I am. It's part of the decisions that I make as an individual. It's part of... Uh of what what I think about uh, when I when I travel uh, with my family, when I reading magazines, when right? I'm reading the newspaper, it's a natural inclination. It's yeah. not exclusive. It's not the only thing that yeah. I that I choose. Uh, however, it's the 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 default choice uh, is that I, right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're you're always on in th- as terms of architecture, design, building, construction. Improvement, uh,
2: admiration. Yeah, I don't have enough hours in a day to find time to do (laughs) much else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The city must love that. So so you're going around even in your personal life and you're thinking how you can make things better, nicer, more...
2: Personal, a little bit more friendly. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm always interested to see how other cities around the globe solve problems that we have yeah. that are similar.
0: Even on vacation, you'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so I actually, don't turn it on. It's.
2: To you. It's. it's it, <laughs> okay. I try to make it not drag the family through this, but <laughs> do find, try to find uh, destination points yeah. that are uh, <laughs> uh, of, of interest, and uh, yeah. it, it, it's. It's a pleasure. It's. Uh, it's a great sense of personal. Enjoyment for me to be connected yeah. to reading about design, and not entirely about architecture, but also about design in general. Uh, you yeah. know, whether it's product design, industrial design. Um, there's, there's, uh, I, I find a great deal of interest.
0: Yeah. How about in the landscaping as well? Um, how much do you think that plays in an actual a building, the, the actual landscaping in and around the the, the facility or building?
2: It's critical. Um, We work at at Public Works. We have a landscape division. We have about twenty-five or thirty landscape architects who do excellent work, and we work very closely with them. They are very critical to us in terms of uh, site analysis and how we place buildings and the approach to buildings and the experience from um, an individual coming to a building, whether they're walking, they're biking, or they might be driving. Uh, It's got to be an enriched experience, and we don't design from a single point of view of if you get on your car and you drive to one of the facilities, this is going to be your experience. We expect uh, folks visiting public buildings to be coming from any direction um, whether they're taking their skateboard, whether they're taking their bike, whether they're walking or getting dropped off by a car. Um, and our landscape architects help us position buildings and the approach and experience to those buildings uh, to make sure that it's as successful as the building.
0: Yeah. Now, how's the, how important is sustainability? I know it's obvious, but in particular, San Francisco, from my my experience is uh, one of the world's leading sustainable cities, and if that's true, why is it?
2: Yeah. Obviously, sustainability uh, is hugely important to us. Um, we have, um, in San Francisco, we have uh, an ordinance that requires buildings to be sustainable, uh, requires that, you know, the, what used to be um, standards of sustainability, uh, they were folks were Trying to figure out how do I make this building sustainable? We're way past that. We're it's, it's part it's a, it's a given that our buildings are going to be energy efficient, and now we're looking at pro- buildings that are going to be net zero. They're going to produce oh, yeah. power, and in amounts that are equal to their own consumption. Yeah. So that's we're already heading in the direction that is well well beyond. Um, just the initial sustainability practice
0: so net speaking of net zero there's something I'm not this familiar with and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but net zero 30 is that a uh, a program to
2: that's an international goal okay it's international. to to try to make sure that uh, we are building buildings that are not using more energy than they're than they're producing themselves okay um, so we are if if we build it, the first sustainable high-rise, municipal high-rise in San Francisco, finished it about nine years ago, for the Public Utilities Commission. And we knew that it had to be a model of sustainability because the agency that is housed in that building is one that promotes conserving water and conserving power. So that their building um, is one that not only uh, generates power through photovoltaics and wind power turbines, but it also uh, recycles water to turns brown water into recyclable water, and it flushes the uh, it's used the water is used to flush toilets, and to grow plants in front of the building. Uh, and that was nine years ago. Since then, we've now done other projects that are have even more cutting edge. Uh, Practices.
0: Like, how, what kind of how much further or even better can we go?
2: Uh, it's, it's getting into um, the level of, of recyclable materials, it's getting into using more uh, efficient uh, photovoltaic panels. Um, so, we are constantly thinking about the latest technology to use in our buildings.
0: Wow. Does, uh, do, they, do you find them? Do you seek them out or people come to you? How does it work to where you know what's the latest technology?
2: Uh, it's interactive. Yeah. Uh, okay. we, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, we ask a lot of questions. We ask, uh, we can't be at the forefront of everything. So we seek advice of other folks that are making cutting-edge uh, tools, um, yeah. you know, for whether it's in the design phase. Uh, whether we're using BIM, Building Information Modeling, for how buildings are getting designed. So they um, are coordinated three-dimensionally so that we end up spending less waste as we build these buildings. Uh, so that's a form of sustainability. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that we were one of the first eight, uh, public agencies that require that our design consultants and our builders would use uh, 3D modeling uh, to eliminate waste waste. Uh, and deliver these projects in the most cost-effective way for the taxpayers.
0: Wow. Do, are other cities looking at uh, the city as well for their their infrastructure and their projects? We as do... as, a, as a model to
2: we we get questions from other municipalities, okay. folks that want to come and take a look at the our uh, design and construction practices and how we're delivering projects. We're very collaborative. Uh, We try to make sure that what we're doing can be replicated. Uh, We're not just thinking of San Francisco, but models of sustainability that can be duplicated anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Now, how many projects uh, on a yearly basis do you have an average number of projects that you're you're either capable of working with or... You, you like working
2: with? So, in public works, we have about 450 active projects at any given time. So, we have um, uh, about $4 billion of uh, capital projects under management.
0: Um, that's and $4 the, billion? Yeah. Okay.
2: Wow. And uh, we, the projects range from small little tenant improvements to uh, major capital projects um, in this, Quite the gamut of projects, which is exciting. Yeah. That we're not just doing the big projects; the little projects yeah. matter a lot.
0: It, how is it, what's so exciting about uh, some projects versus, uh, especially at 450 projects? How do you manage all that? That's kind it's, of mind blowing.
2: So we have a we have a staff uh, okay. of uh, in-house architects, engineers, and managers. Uh, not all of the projects are done design and house so many of them are designed by consultants okay so we manage a portfolio um, that go, uh, ranges from uh, infrastructure projects as uh, sewer and in water lines to building projects um, so how do we manage it is uh, we have a lot we've been public works has been around for more than a hundred years
0: yeah and that being said that hundred years you're looking again a hundred years ahead so that the next people Have an easier time or more uh, make it um, definitely easier than it is now. How do you? uh, Well, that just seems I'm still stuck on that 450 projects a year. Now, do you have to oversee all of them in some way or capacity?
2: So, of the 450 projects, um, about 200 of them are architecture projects, the other are uh, engineering projects. Okay. So I don't have direct responsibility for the engineering projects. However, they're always intertwined. If we're doing a sewer replacement line, it's serving buildings. So yeah. we still coordinate wow. closely together.
0: Wow. And speaking of engineering, do you, you you work with them on a daily basis, I take it, correct? Yeah. yeah. We,
2: we work with all forms of engineers from geotechnical, electrical, mechanical, hydraulic engineers, engineers. Uh, At Public Works, we have a comprehensive uh, design and engineering practice that we have between architects and engineers. We have about 300 staff. 300 staff.
0: This is the Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford 90.1 FM. Our guest today is Mr. Edgar Lopez, City of San Francisco architect. Check them out online at sfpublicworks.org. That's sfpublicworks.org.
1: Org. The McCoy Center for Ethics in Society and Stanford Criminal Justice Center present Degrees of Freedom. The panel discussion will focus on the issue of providing college opportunities to currently and formerly incarcerated students. It will be held on Wednesday, January 25th at 5 p.m. in Stanford Law School, Room 290, or with the room subject to change. The discussion is free and open to the public. For more information, call 650-736-6247 That's 650-736-6247 or email ebennett at stanford.edu Thank you. Now back to The Modern Architect.
0: Edgar, how would you describe the culture at uh, the city of San Francisco and the architecture and the construction engineering? Is it family-oriented? Is it People really, I know you said something in there a couple of times about care. What is it about it that makes them?
2: So yeah. the culture of public works as an organization is yeah. one that we care about. The, the buildings, the, the infrastructure of, the San, of San Francisco, our folks are highly committed to public service. They feel that they are the stewards of the city's infrastructure, and along with that, they feel a sense of responsibility to make sure that they're making smart decisions, uh, again, for generations to come. Uh, So it's a great place to work. There's a sense of purpose for public service that I find um, very rewarding Mm -hmm. and uh, keeps me committed to uh, public service. Um, And a lot of our staff share that. There's a passion for what we do. And a deep commitment of uh, again of public service.
0: So onboarding for for new employees or new people within the uh, the department, do you, you, do you kind of look for that sort of characteristic in them? Yeah, we yeah. do.
2: When when we um, try when we hire uh, staff, we try to appeal to that sense of uh, uh, of a higher level of public service, um, and we find a lot of folks that want to connect with that. They want to have a job that ha- that is meaningful in ways that impacts life, that are not just about getting projects built quickly for profit or for uh, other purposes. Um, so we're, we're lucky that uh, the mission of our organization is to serve the public and that that enables us to attract high talent um, that is deeply committed for the vision and mission of the organization. Yeah.
0: So if you look back from when you began uh, working for the city of San Francisco to even just today, um, do you find that you were that way even when you first started that you had that sort of sort of care?
2: Frankly, not I didn't start with that sense of purpose. Okay. Uh, I was um, started with, this is great. Uh, I get to work <laughs> on projects that are actually in San Francisco. And I don't have to travel and never see the projects that I get to, that I that I worked on. Yeah. Um, as my career evolved and I began to understand the projects, uh, the impact that they would have, I started to take a little more responsibility for that and uh, deeper sense of uh, pride. Okay. And today, I, I feel blessed every day that I actually. Can get up and go to work for an organization and have a sense of purpose that is fulfilling.
0: Yeah, that being said, so you do go around San Francisco. There is no off button for you.
2: Really. No. <laughs>
0: okay. So, so you're you uh, you work twenty four seven in essence.
2: Well, you know, if you think, do you have
0: dreams about it too? Uh, (laughs) I know we're reaching, but...
2: No, probably not. Um, So I I work for an organization that is a 24-7 organization, so so Public Works, uh, in addition to what we've been talking about of designing buildings and infrastructure, we're also an organization that maintains... The streets, the sidewalks, the right-of-way, uh, we're the folks that are responsible for making sure that after there's a major flood or, or anything like that, that we're removing uh, trees that may fall down, that we're clearing the path yeah. toward, uh, for pedestrians and, and vehicles. So there's another component to what I do, in, oh, yeah. in which is being part of an organization that is 24-7 and being able to... Uh, be available as a re- first responder in case of an emergency.
0: So you always have to have that mindset of being a first responder, as well as getting buildings built.
2: Correct. So, I my role in event of a natural disaster moves away from being the city architect to being uh, a first responder in helping the city for to recover. And begin to think of how we're going to inspect public buildings, how we're going to open up the roads, how we're going to make sure that the, uh, the, uh, you know, firehouses, hospitals, clinics, and so on, are functional to provide uh, service.
0: Well, So is that, is that part of your training? or? Is, it
2: was... It's part of our training. It's okay. part of uh, what we do. All of our employees uh, have a, a, in their job classification, and their uh job description is that in the event of a natural disaster, they re- they move away from the day-to-day function to become uh, part of a larger unit of, of responders in, in San Francisco. So do they have a specific assignments? Or we do. Okay. Our, uh, our organizational chart shows your date time job and then shows also what your function will become in, in case of an event.
0: Wow is that's part of the onboarding. For that's whatever. part of the
2: onboarding. We train our staff for that. Uh, we have rehearsals. There's planned events uh, throughout the years where we activate the uh, Department of um, the Emergency Command. Okay. And uh, we bring folks and we rotate them. We teach them how to use, how to communicate with, Kate with operations and how to do logistics, how to do look at the map of San Francisco and how we would deploy our uh, wor- uh, staff to Different types of assignments.
0: So you're ready at any moment.
2: Yeah, to, to and we and we take advantage of all the planned events, such as you know uh, Halloween, uh, <laughs> the Beta Breakers, and yeah. all these uh, events that draw thousands of people in San Francisco. And we use those as opportunities to train.
0: Oh wow, that's great! So who inspires you to, to do this? Do you have a you, know, you mentioned Renzo Piano, um, but I, I don't know if he's an inspiration source. Who what any architects in particular that inspire you, or just people?
2: So, him. in architecture, there's yeah. great architects whose work I admire. For uh, Renzo Piano being one of them. In our organization, we have a tremendous leader, Mohammed Nuru, who heads uh, the entire department, and uh, he's an inspiration for me of somebody who is uh, tactical and is strategic. Uh, he used that's a rare combination. Correct. Usually, one has good
0: strategy or good tactics, but very. Very rare is there an individual has strategy and tactics.
2: Correct. So we happen to have the... And personality. And we have yeah. to have a, a, yeah. the, the pleasure of working at, <laughs> the under the leadership of a manager who's comfortable in operations and, and, and uh, strategy. Yeah. He commands a, a workforce of more than 1,300 employees. Um, about 1,000 of them or, or 900 are in operations and the rest of our are in, prof- in the areas of architecture and engineering. Uh, so we're a pretty diverse department with uh, different uh, work than most organizations would typically have.
0: Yeah, it sounds like very dynamic. Is that a, that sounds like a requirement actually, rather than a
2: it's dynamic uh, and it's, okay. it's, it's 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 almost a requirement of the job and it's it's exciting and it keeps it fresh and, uh, yeah. and it's invigorating.
0: Yeah, and the city being such one of the world's largest tourist destination, does that also help uh, keep that sort of dynamic? mindset always fresh
2: yeah it's yeah. uh you're absolutely right the number one industry in san francisco's tourism yeah. right now we're building a uh, uh an expansion to the moscone convention center where it's about it's a 550 million dollar job it's we're adding about 400,000 square feet to the to the building and it's in the right in the heart of san francisco uh, near the hotels uh, and it's an interesting project uh, that, thinking of tourism, is Moscone um, Center, it's one of the major attractions for uh, San Francisco. A lot of business travelers come for right, for conventions, yeah. Yeah. and uh, we're having to do this major addition that I invite you to come over and take a look at one point. Thank you. love to. Uh, that. We, are, we will have four or 500 workers on site that will be working very long hours, sometimes 20 hours a day, two 10-hour shifts. And they all have to stop and disappear and go away because we have a convention coming up in two days. And we need, literally have to shut down, host the convention, and uh, remobilize back to pick up where they left.
0: How do they do that seamlessly?
2: Oh, it's, yeah. it's mapped with military precision.
0: Wow, is is that is that common for some projects in San Francisco, or in particular to the Moscone Center because of the uh,
2: convention? Moscone touches in many dimensions that other projects normally wouldn't. Okay, but by and large, a lot of the work that we have to do um, has to be done in a way that doesn't impact day to day functions. Whether we're repaving a, a road, whether we're building uh, uh, a new facility, we we can't. We don't have the luxury to put a you know a perimeter fence uh, and just impact the neighborhood. Uh, so we are very deliberate of when we start construction and try to get out as quickly as possible. Uh, quite often we're doing work in in neighborhoods we're doing it for example, a firehouse. We don't allow the contractors to mobilize on site until they have all their Equipment and their materials ready, so we close the firehouse and we move in and do the work as quickly as possible and get out, uh, because we're taking a neighborhood asset out of commission. Uh, so we can't afford to be close the station and then find out that there's delays in getting the materials or any sort of thing like that.
0: Wow, it sounds like very people first.
2: Absolutely, it, okay. it's absolutely it's, yeah. it's keeping in mind who the customer is. And the customer is the San Francisco residents and visitors.
0: Oh, and it never goes away. It's 24-7. As much as businesses and retail may stop, you still have to...
2: Yeah, and that's what keeps it exciting.
0: Yeah, I'll say. How do you get them to the the precision that you talked about? Was that be someone implements that or or that's just a standard way that you uh, Uh, you operate? We
2: set it as a standard of project delivery. We look at... Uh, getting things not only done on time but doing uh, a, making a lot of strategic decisions to have the minimal impact on, in the neighborhoods
0: yeah the, speaking of the neighborhoods that's considered in every project that you do
2: yeah we we think about all these things of uh, when are we going to start the construction uh, what are the, uh, the the types of impacts that we're going to have if it's project, for example, that might be in the, in the same route as uh, uh, the beta breakers, Okay, uh, take into consideration that's a planned event that draws tens of thousands of people, um, to make sure that what the contractors are going to build, take into consideration these time frames.
0: Now, do you have, what do you put together, com- uh, community forums, or do you, you invite them to view the projects before they're... Again, how do you let the neighborhood know that this is... So we do extensive
2: uh, outreach. Outreach, yeah. We basically, uh, when we are going to do a project in a specific neighborhood, we find out what are the organizations uh, that operate in the neighborhood. We reach out to them. We communicate early um, that we are planning to expand the facility or remodel or tear down. Uh, we meet with them and, and, and we talk. We don't want to surprise folks unnecessarily
0: yeah how do you handle if someone is a little upset about a particular project is there is there a, a system in place to say okay here's how we're going to address this or
2: the vast majority of the time uh, yeah. the residents are are understanding yeah uh, once in a while we find folks that are have particular issues and we try to uh, work with them um, and we try to build consensus as much as we can Ultimately, we have an obligation to do some of these projects that are critical to San Francisco.
0: Yeah. I would, um, I would think with 400, over 450 projects, that's amazing um, to be have that level of success on a consistent basis. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's a challenge, <laughs> but you're smiling about it. So you must under, know what you're doing to, mm-hmm. to make that happen. That being said, how do, how do you um, interface even with the city officials? Uh, how often are they involved with the pr- particular projects?
2: Okay. So our elected officials yeah. are part of our stakeholders, and that we, uh, we each one of the, the summer school has supervisors, uh, and we try to make sure that uh, their district. So we meet with them, we talk to them about the projects that are going to be happening in their district. Uh, we take into account their input and consideration. Um, to again, the we, the outreach that we do is not only just to the immediate neighbors, but also to other stakeholders that include elected officials to make sure that they're aware of uh, what we're doing and why we're doing it and why, what projects fit the city's priorities.
0: So uh, in looking at the entire design, how much would you say is actually the design, and then how much is it the actual relationship with the people?
2: That's a great question. Um, the planning phase sometimes can be as long, if not longer, the design phase of a project. Um, getting to build consensus on what we're going to build, where we're going to build it, and how big is it going to be, Um, that's that's critical. We, you know, if we don't pay attention to that, we find to be at risk of getting projects that oftentimes have to backtrack because folks weren't necessarily happy with the planning. And that doesn't sound like it's very frequent. It's probably more frickin' than it should be. <laughs> Why? Why? Why would it be? Uh, yeah. th- there's the, lots of projects w- yeah. with lots of complexities, you know, yeah. uh, and competing priorities.
0: This is The Modern Architect, KZSU, 90.1 FM, Stanford.
1: The Loop with Drew Deep. The Loop is a radio show featuring electronic music ranging from house to techno to down-tempo and everything that's good in the underground. Each week, the show features releases, exclusive mixes, top picks, interviews, and live guest DJs from around the world. That's The Loop with Drew Deep from 11 all the way until 3 p.m. this quarter at KZSU Stanford. And now back to The Modern Architect.
0: We're talking today with Edgar Lopez, City of San Francisco architect and deputy director of the... Department of Public Works. Edgar, where did you grow up that helped influence your work? Where did you grow up?
2: (laughs) I I was born and raised in uh, Guatemala, in Central America. Um, And I grew up in a neighborhood and in a country with limited resources. For me personally, making decisions about what gets built and how it gets built, it's largely influenced from where I grew up. not taking for granted resources, uh, and having to make very uh, good choices. Awesome. Um, so I approach my job and the, my responsibility with the city and county of San Francisco with uh, a, a level of responsibility of being fiscally um, conservative to make sure, sure that we make uh, smart choices.
0: Yeah. Would, would you, how would you influence uh, the youth of today to get into architecture or even prospectively do what you do is there something that you saw in a, as a kid that you went you can remember aha uh-huh, this is
2: I, I think architecture is critical to solving the problems that we're seeing around the globe especially with um, climate issues okay and housing uh, populations in third world countries and even in our own country we have serious challenges about affordability. And architects play a critical role in developing solutions that can uh, be attainable by n- great number of people. Uh, we have a social responsibility to be um, sure. stewards of, of, of the planet and making sure that we're designing uh, things that are efficient and also that we're coming up with solutions that can afford everyone a decent place to live in communities that are effective Uh, that's the social responsibility that we all share so i urge students who are thinking of entering architecture or practicing architecture uh, to pursue their dreams to be part of a solution um, that has a deep effect for generations to come
0: yeah and so far as climate change how how do you work with that in the city so There's so many aspects
2: of it. But, yeah, know, in
0: particular, in your in your responsibility, how do you
2: address um, so it? So we, we're we're starting to think about sea level rise. Okay. Um, I've mentioned earlier that uh, we're designing a firehouse along the Embarcadero that is uh, one of its kind in terms of the approach of how on a floating barge. We're looking at other buildings to uh, think uh, take into account. Um, statistics and data that is available that would suggest that in the event of uh, uh, sea level rise that these are vulnerable areas and begin to make decisions to, you know, not put the generators at the basement in areas that we okay. know are for sure, sure. going to flood, yeah. which is what we do today. <laughs>
1: yeah. um,
2: you know, and, this are, uh, and what would happen if uh, the first floor was flooded? How do we not put the building critical facilities in, a, in an area that is going to be vulnerable? But already start thinking that shouldn't be a place where we make those decisions.
0: Yeah, there's a uh, uh, Michelangelo had said some, something interesting, and I don't have the, I don't recall the exact quote. But he he said that when he looked at a piece, he actually you you discover um, what it is that he was going to do. And I always have this back and forth: it is is discovery either more important or just as important as creativity? And I wanted to ask you that too. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious to to know what your take on, you know, creating and creativity and discovery and which one may have uh, you know a greater uh, importance if, if it does.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Thank yeah. uh, I, I would say that all of our projects we discover. Um, I think they go hand in hand. As okay. you're uh, as you begin to understand the problem that you're trying to solve as you begin to f- formulate answers to that you're beginning to discover layers of in uh, solutions that begin to address the problem um, so I don't know that I could differentiate the discovery or creativity yeah. I think uh, they as at least that's the way I'm thinking is it, somewhat interchangeable
0: yeah and it sounds like in, in the department do you have people who kind of specialize in either or or both a bit? Like, you know, this is the person who's responsible for uh, more of a reactive as opposed to uh, a proactive or a creative. Um, Because they are skill sets, you know? Yeah. And and I'm curious to know if if, uh, the department has employees that are set up for either or both.
2: Like any other organization, we have um, folks who have a natural tendency to be uh, be, uh, strategic thinkers that are, are... Looking at how to solve the big problems, um, and we have folks that are very uh, practical about their approach. Um, so it creates a richness and a dialogue in uh, in our department uh, between what's practical and what's tactical, uh, and um, in the strategic. Uh, so it's uh, it's great. We have a strategic plan in our department that is for uh, we set out our goals and. Uh, Of what we want to accomplish for the next five years. And uh, some of them are aspirational goals and others are just kind of, we got to get this right because this is really important for San Francisco.
0: So you said them five years? Is it by design five? So
2: we are transitioning from a two-year plan to a five-year plan. Uh, And uh, again, this is a very grassroots type of strategic plan. uh, We're our staff gets to have a lot of input on what they are passionate about, um, and we all work on it.
0: Uh, yeah, how do you collaborate with, with with the people? Say, hey, you know, I've noticed uh, this project or this building. Is there a, a forum that you provide for people to kind of speak of of projects that they'd like to have done or uh, things that they'd like to have built or improved? Is there? A-
2: so it's. Um, it's a it's not an easy answer to that yeah. so there's from the what folks want to talk about in terms of their passion and things of how to use technology to solve problems yeah. um, we have a we have in-house uh, committees that uh, yeah. where we create a forum for that discussion to take place we have a, a design committee we have a sustainability committee uh, in in is some sometimes it's just internal staff having the discussions other times is we include uh, industry experts to enrich the discussion and broaden it yeah Well, uh, you answered it <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> yeah it wasn't that uh, I was confused as how was I was going to say it, but that's that makes sense that's how you do that okay
2: we, we try to make sure that our yeah. uh, staff are uh, motivated and that we have venues for where to have these discussions
0: yeah
2: uh, and uh, our folks love them Oh, nice. So,
0: that being said, I yeah, would we'll go back to that firehouse that's off, uh, that's on on the water there. What other unique technology is involved with that? Uh,
2: well, with that, aside from that specific project, yeah. uh, we continue to use uh, uh, building information modeling as a BIM. way yeah. of, of BIM okay. as a way of. Uh, designing smarter buildings and having them be well-coordinated. Okay. Um, so that's an effort that happens on most of our projects. Uh, we then are looking at uh, different types of glazing for buildings, electrochromatic uh, glass that... Uh, would not only is it a sustainable practice, but it also enhances the quality of daylight inside buildings. Yeah, how, how important is
0: lighting in with new projects to you?
2: It's hugely important. Yeah. And Lighting is, uh, it you know, it has a deep impact on the end users and the level of comfort and productivity and satisfaction with the workplace. Um, it's it's very very important.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's considered um, in every project now.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think we're as architects we're starting to even have a greater appreciation for daylighting in ways that we hadn't thought about before. Um, I think it's always always a given, and there's we've moved away from creating workspaces where everybody can see out the building towards daylight to now figuring out how do we make that even a richer experience. How do we uh, create uh, spaces that our our workers and our visitors and the public are are going to uh, enjoy even more. Edgar, it's been an honor and a privilege
0: having you here today. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Edgar Lopez, City of San Francisco architect, a deputy director of the City of San Francisco DPW. Trained as an architect at UC Berkeley, Edgar is a major contributor to helping keep and make San Francisco one of the most beautiful, livable, vibrant, and sustainable cities in the world. For more information, go to sfpublicworks.org. That is sfpublicworks.org. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, influencer, and civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives.
1: The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. The recording engineer is Akshay Jaggi. Assistant engineer is McGregor Joyner. And we're all assisted by Bryce Carter. Production manager is Akshay. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom DiOro. Thanks for tuning in and listening next week for The Modern Architect.